What's up, y'all? Hope y'all are doing well. It's Jared Feinberg of Blue Chip Scouting back here on the Draft Nut Podcast. It's been a few weeks since the 2021 NFL Draft. It's been a few weeks since I've had a new pot. The last three weeks have been fun. You know, just taking a break, not watching prospects, not doing anything draft, just having fun while also focusing on finals and preparing to transfer to my local four-year institution in the fall. Congratulations to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And just enjoying time with family. And I had a birthday this past Sunday. So, and thank you all for all the birthday wishes on Sunday. Really do appreciate it. So we're back here today, ready to get at it. Today I want to go through some stuff that has been going on the last few weeks or even the last few days. So today we're going to be discussing a little thing I learned from the draft that I will take with me throughout the next few drafts or for drafts to come. What When each first round rookie quarterback should start. And also a little bit about what went on this past weekend in Jacksonville. So before I start talking about that, I have an, I have an announcement to make. Devin Jackson, my co-host, who's been gone for the last couple months, he will be back around mid-June, so his hiatus will come to an end around that time, and hopefully he gets his account back by then. Free Devin Jackson, baby. Hashtag free Devin Jackson. Make sure you spread it. Get, get, make sure Twitter gets the word so then they can free Devin Jackson's account. To the hacker... That hacked Devin Jackson's account, kiss my ass. Sorry for the language, but just saying, man, that's my boy. Devin's my boy. I need my guy back. I need his analysis, his draft analysis. I need him back on Twitter. Well, he is still on Twitter. He's using the Big Shots podcast Twitter account. Make sure you guys go listen to that podcast, Big Shots podcast. Devin Jackson, next coming, this upcoming June. Mike Hurt, don't even remember how to say his name. Sorry, Mike. Um, and Nick Price. So make sure you guys go listen to the pod. When it returns in mid-June, Devin will be back on this pod mid-June as well. I'll be having a bunch of special guests throughout the next couple weeks. I'll hopefully maybe have some guys from the Draft Network rejoin me to talk about this past draft, what to expect for this upcoming season with their teams, such as maybe maybe I get Joe Marino back on. Maybe we can talk about the Buffalo Bills, what to expect from them, talk about their draft, the Carolina Panthers draft, and what to expect from the Panthers this upcoming season. But that will be, we'll, we'll have all summer long to talk about that, along with myself, having classes and all, so I'll make sure to have time. To do this podcast, I'm going to try at least have one, maybe two episodes each week. So that's what I'm hoping for. Now, let's get into some of these discussions. I've I've had some time to really think about what was going on during rookie minicamp in Jacksonville. If you haven't heard or if you didn't hear, Urban Meyer decided that the team's second first-round pick, Clemson running back Travis Etienne, was going to play wide receiver during minicamp. You know, no big deal. 
To paraphrase what he said, basically, Urban Meyer wants Travis Etienne to be the Curtis Samuel of Urban Meyer's offense, to be a gadget player that can do a little bit of everything, such as lining up in the slot, on the boundary, in the backfield, as a decoy, etc., etc. Basically, Etienne is going to be a third down back of sorts in Jacksonville, while James Robinson is the starting running back. After Meyer said this sort of thing um, at that press conference or after practice that one day, everyone and their mother went ballistic. What an awful pick. Urban Meyer doesn't know what the hell he's doing. What? That's not how ETN has, that's not what you're supposed to do with ETN as a player. What is Urban doing? Blah, blah, blah. So I have some thoughts on this. Number one, it's rookie minicamp. It's rookie minicamp. Why are we overreacting to something that's happening during a rookie minicamp? Well, Urban Meyer's a big name. Travis Etienne is a big name. And when people hear wide receiver but not running back next to Travis Etienne's name, people will start talking about that. You know, that's something worth discussing. So, listen. Rookie minicamp is about the coaches and the front office getting to know the players the rook- and the rookies on the field, in person, getting to know what they need to improve on, whatnot, like right in front of them. Because you didn't have team workouts and all that during this offseason because of the COVID-19 pandemic, which is at its end. Some will say it's at its end. Some will say we're, we're getting there. But it's not at the end of the road yet, but we're getting there. But whatever. This is the time for rookies to practice on the field, help with developing their skill set at the next level. This leads me to number two. Travis Etienne playing wide receiver during many camps and throughout OTAs, mini camp, and probably during training camp can probably help and probably will help with his development as a true all-around running back in the NFL. It's been noted in the past that ETN once struggled to catch a ball, and he has said openly, I am nervous about catching balls, footballs. But he got better at it. Each year, junior year, he could have gone the first round of the draft. He really could. ETN was incredible his junior year and his senior year. He improved so much as a receiver out of the backfield. Now, he still needs work in pass protection. His vision's not the best, but it's still, I would say it's good. I would say it's good, just from what I saw on tape. He worked with Trevor Lawrence, his teammate at Clemson, now in Jacksonville, and and he got better as a receiver. And to be quite honest, he was a major threat out of the backfield as a runner and as a receiver on flat screens, what have you. Could he use more development in that area as a receiver out of the backfield? Absolutely. And that is why Urban Meyer is playing ETN at receiver to help him develop in that area, in my opinion. ETN can run the entire short section of the route tree, flats, slants, screens, you know, um, Quick hitches, all that. 
He can work on his ability to separate against nickel and safe nickels, safeties, linebackers without using just his pure speed, but developing his quickness, being more quick against man coverage. ETN can develop his ball skills while practicing and working at receiver. It's okay to make mistakes during rookie minicamp. Do it now instead of doing it during the season. If you get your mistakes out of the way now, you won't have the mistakes later on during the season. It's perfect for ETN when you consider that the NFL is a passing first league and teams need their running backs to be versatile from not just a, not just being a running back, but being a receiver as well. Being able to protect well. Being able to be a good receiver out of the backfield whatnot. That's why players such as Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon have had great success in the NFL because of their versatility that they were able to, that they had from college and were able to develop throughout their time in the NFL. Now, does ETN need to? Does he need more work with his vision? Yes, I think he'll be able to work on that throughout his rookie year and so on. But I don't think he won't have a good career in Jacksonville. I I'm skeptical of Urban Meyer, but I'm cautious. I'm optimistic that he can he can try and continue to develop ETN because I think this is good for ETN. You know. If you want to be that good all-around player while you are also already have one like LaVisca Chenault, like that, that's great for your offense because you got a lot of playmakers, a lot of guys that you can use however you want. I mean, there's so much versatility along that offense. At the skill position player, nonetheless, at the skill position, at the skill positions, nonetheless. So... We will see how this works out with ETN and Urban Meyer, how their careers in the NFL work out. I think playing receiver in ETN's case this offseason will help him tremendously down the road. That's just one thing on the whole situation. Now, will this hurt the value of other players on the team, such as LaVisca Chanel, like I just mentioned? It could. It really could. You know, I think... Urban wants to try and develop Chenault as more of a true wide receiver uh, while also being a threat in terms of being used on jet sweeps and whatnot because he is that type of player. He he can be a running back with the ball in his hands, but also you can further develop him more into a true top receiver on your team. So I think we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. Um how they use how that offense goes, what what he'll do, we'll, we'll probably see a little bit of it in the preseason, but we'll really see it week one. So that that's something to really keep an eye on. Now, next thing I want to talk about was a little thing I learned from the draft a few weeks ago, and it's this: the NFL likes linebackers that can play against the run very well. They want guys that can play the box, play in the box, and do it well. This is why we saw players such as Jeremiah Owusu-Kormoa, Jabril Cox, Baron Browning, guys that draft Twitter was high on, fall in the draft, fall past day two, some of them. 
So, you know, while these players are fantastic in space and they cover well in the passing game, these guys, some of these guys struggle with shutting box, filling gaps, all that struggle as tacklers against the run, what have you. Now, there are different reasons why these guys fell, but it's something to keep an eye on for upcoming drafts, such as 2022, 2023, and so on. Micah Parsons, my top linebacker from this past draft and the best, the highest graded defensive player from on my board, on my personal board from this past draft, was great in the box, flashed a line coverage, and that's where he'll continue to develop. That's why Dallas liked him so much, because he can play in the box and he can play it really well. Was it the right pick? We'll just have to wait and see. But you saw guys like Parsons, Jamin Davis, Zayvon, Zayman Collins go ahead of guys like Owusu Koromoa, Cox, and Browning because they were able, they played against the run and in the box very well. Now, that, that this is something that we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on. Moving forward, like I said. Will the NFL be start taking seriously of guys that can cover against the pass really well? Can't. Are they willing to risk drafting a Jeremiah Wusukoromoa very high? Are they willing to draft a Baron Browning very high? Because those are those guys are great athletes that need development, but can give your team your defense that can impact your defense in a good way early on. That's something we'll have to keep an eye on. So keep in mind, the NFL may not align with the thoughts of draft Twitter, including myself, when it comes to the new age linebackers at the next level. That doesn't mean you should change how you evaluate the position, and it certainly won't change for me in that regard. So those are just my thoughts from this past draft in terms of just like a little thing I learned from from the 2021 NFL Draft. NFL likes linebackers that can play well against the run and in the box. But it's it seem, it's going to be rare for a linebacker that can really do both play against the run and drop into coverage very, very well at a high level. So it, it could be a while until we see that. But we'll have to see. Now, the final thing I want to discuss when... From this past draft is, you know, when each first round quarterback is going to start this season or next season. So the first round quarterbacks you had first 15 picks within the first 15 picks were, of course, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones in that order. So I think it's a given Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, they're both going to start week one. I don't think that's going to be really an issue for anyone. I think Lawrence already looks like he he is an NFL starter. He's probably already a mid-tier starter, I guess, at the next level. I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year he's closer to being one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Zach Wilson, he'll start. You'll see him struggle a bit throughout the season. But that that's going because he's basically their best quarterback on the roster. I mean, just to be clear, just to be honest with you, he is. Um, but 
Wilson's a starter. Donald's gone. He's in Carolina. We'll see how it goes with Carolina. Um, and we'll talk about Carolina on a later on a later episode of the podcast. But the next quarterback I want to talk about here is Trey Lance. So I'm looking at playoffpredictors.com's little NFL thing, schedule prediction, what have you. So I'm looking at the 49ers schedule and the first two opponents that the that the 49ers have are the Lions and the Eagles. Now, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have both said, you know, Jimmy G is their guy. But there's always a chance that that Trey Lance could impress so much throughout this offseason, throughout during rookie minicamp, during training camp, what have you, preseason, that he overtakes Jimmy G for the starting job. I don't think he's as raw as people are were saying he was coming out of college or coming out of North Dakota State. Sure, he only played one game last season. It's basically a game where NFL evaluators were just want to come see what he can do for just one game, see what he's got, then be done, get ready for the draft. Trey Lance came from a offense at North Dakota State that implemented a lot of NFL verbiage in terms of pass protection calls, um, kills, um, plays that they ran, all that. Like they ran a lot of NFL stuff. So I think that will help Lance for this transition here in the NFL, especially in his rookie year. With how talented the 49ers are when healthy. I wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy G started for at least until the bye week. Um, After that, I could see Trey Lance starting. Could the 49ers be 5-0 by the time the bye week ends? By the time their bye week comes in week six? There's a chance. And if you're going to go, if you're going to go with the route that, okay, our team is doing well. Let's go ahead and start the rookie. See how he does. It's going to be a situation like it was with Miami last year where Dolphins went were 3-3, three and 4-3 three, and three or something like that. And then Brian Flores was like, all right, let's start Tua. Now's the time. Tua did all right for a rookie quarterback. He wasn't as bad as people were saying he was. He could have been better. He did struggle some. But he was all right. He wasn't too bad. So Trey Lance, you're going to see some mistakes from him. But the physical traits and tools he possesses will help him early on in his career. And the fact that he is mentally ready already as for an NFL quarter, for a rookie NFL quarterback coming from an offense that ran a lot of what the 49ers kind of implement in this offense, you know, it it could help Trey Lance a lot that he could end up starting week one against the Lions. But if they want to get, they want to make sure, okay, Lance is truly ready. I wouldn't be surprised if he started, you know, I guess. See, I, I really wouldn't be surprised if he started against Jacksonville week 11. 
wait that long into the season and they could be just a guess off this record. See, if they go 5-0, and potentially lose the Rams game week 10. They're 9-1. and And Kyle Lynch goes, oh, all right, let's start him. Start him against Jacksonville. A team that's probably going to be bad this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't as bad as people think because Trevor Lawrence is just that good. Then you got Lance starting week 11. And who knows, he may lead them to the Super Bowl. Who the hell knows? But I believe he should start week one. I think he is already better than Jimmy G. Just from a raw, just from a raw talent standpoint, mentally, it, it seems like he may have it down already. I wouldn't be surprised if he started week one. But I would not fault the 49ers for starting Jimmy G for the first few games of the season. Then start him after the bye week against Indy at home. I believe it's a Sunday night game. If, I, if I'm seeing that correctly, it is a Sunday night game. Um, no, it's not a Sunday night game. Maybe coming off the bye. I don't know. But, you know, we'll just have to see what happens there. Next quarterback, Justin Fields. Personally, he should start week one. He's that good. He's that talented. But you already have Andy Dalton and Nick Foles on that roster. So when exactly are you going to start him? Well, looking at the first few games of the Bears schedule, Chicago's on the road against L.A. That's going to be a tough game. You're facing a really good offense, really good defense. Aaron Donald's on the other side of the ball, and that, that's going to be a nightmare for any team, for any quarterback. Bears have the Bengals week two. That could be the first game for Fields. Who knows? They got the Browns on the road. Week three, you know, uh, that's I don't know if Fields really needs to go up against that improved defense that the Browns have. So I don't know if he starts that week. Realistically, he could start week four at home against the Lions or week five on the road against the Raiders, realistically. The, the, week four or week five, I think, will be my best guess, realistically. Personally, like I said before, he should start week one. But I wouldn't fault the, I wouldn't fault the Bears for letting him sit for a few games, get Dalton or Foles the starting job to start out, and then field starts week four or week five. Whenever they feel comfortable starting him, that's great. Because Fields, I think, will I think he has the potential to be that guy that you can win games because of Justin Fields. He can provide that type of feel to your football team. So we'll just have to see what happens there. Realistically, Fields will probably start probably week four, week five. My opinion, you should start week one. That's just me. Now, Mac Jones. I've already said this on Twitter. If you follow, if you don't follow me on Twitter, it's at JRod NFL Draft. I've known this. I've noted this on Twitter already. Cam Newton's going to be the starter, no matter what. I believe he will have a great season, a better one than last year, at least. 
he'll have a good enough season where he gets another, maybe of another one-year contract or maybe even a two-year deal to stay in New England. I don't think Mac Jones is as ready as people think he is. He is not a pro-ready quarterback like some people are saying he is. Jones came from a pretty simplified offense at Alabama. He had a lot of help. Put up a lot of yards. He's not as talented as people say he is. But he's smart and he's accurate. I'll give him that. I had a third round grade on, on Mac Jones. Do I think he should start at all this season? If Cam Newton does struggle and just and it he truly has fallen off a cliff and he struggles and he doesn't do well, you know, I think Mac Jones starts at some point midway through the season or even near the early portions of the season if Cam Newton has struggled that badly. But if Cam Newton is able to recreate some of the magic we saw before that shoulder injury against Pittsburgh when he was with Carolina on that Thursday night, if he's able to recreate some of that magic, maybe recreate some of that magic we saw the first three weeks of the season, like we saw against Seattle on that Sunday night football game, if we're able to see that Cam Newton, Jones may not even start this year at all. He may not even start next year. So if Cam Newton struggles, expect Jones to be the starter, come in and be the starter at some point. If if Cam Newton doesn't struggle and he does well throughout the season and it's come and it gets to the point, let's say, for example, by week eight again on the road against the Chargers. If Cam Newton's still playing well. And it doesn't look like he's about to fall off a cliff anytime soon. And he's playing at the level he was pre-COVID last season. Forget Jones starting next season, this upcoming season. Maybe even forget Jones starting the next season after that. It may be a while until we see Mac Jones as a starter in the NFL. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to just wait and see how well Cam Newton does this season. If Cam Newton does well, we won't see Mac Jones for a while. Simple as that. And, and of course, if Cam Newton struggles and he's, he really has fallen off a cliff, which I am, as a Cam Newton fan, as a big Cam Newton fan myself, who I have and probably, and probably my most favorite athlete of all time in any sport, if Cam Newton has really fallen off a cliff, I'm I'm prepared for that. I'm like, all right, start Jones. Go ahead, New England. Go ahead and start Jones. Jones is going to be the future of this franchise. I, I have no doubts about that. I think Cam Newton will at least play for three teams by the time his career is over. I would not be surprised if Cam Newton plays well and New England's like, all right, let's go with Mac Jones next season. Cam Newton moves on and goes and plays in Washington, balls out there reuniting with Ron Rivera and Scott Turner and what have you in that group of receivers that 
that they now have. But that's just me with Mac Jones. Simple as this. Cam Newton struggles. Mac Jones is going to start at some point next season. Probably midway through the season. Maybe even earlier. If Cam Newton doesn't struggle and he ends up balling out like we saw before COVID, then you can forget Mac Jones starting at all this season. And that's it. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Glad to be back. Hopefully we'll have another episode out next week. And I'll see you guys soon. Peace.